Jason and Katie and Chadwick. You guys already heard like a talk tonight, so way to go, guys. I love it. Um, my name is Jake. If this is your first time here, welcome. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm on staff with Crew. I'm married to Gabrielle Newton, who some of you may know. And it's not just us, but we have a wonderful little girl. Yeah, so not a real baby, but um, that's Frankie. I'm a dog dad. That's all you need to know about me, so we can get started. Um, tonight, we're starting a new series called Praying with the Psalms. Uh, the Psalms, if you're not familiar with them, basically, there's a lot of them, like over 100, and they're poems, they're songs, they're prayers that are just full of emotion, desire, disappointment, frustration, and actually we can learn a lot from them about what it looks like to talk to God. Uh, and so I'm excited for the series tonight. Also, does anyone know the Yankees score? <laughs> All right, when the Yankees score, if anyone's like on their phone, just give a whoo, and if the Astros score, give a boo, so I know, like, um, anyway, um, Tonight we're going to be in Psalm 90, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, I will have it up on the screen. Um, but before that, figure we'll, we'll pray. It is called praying with the Psalms, so, or praying the Psalms. Father, just uh, we thank you for tonight, and we thank you for the opportunity to gather together. Just pray that you bless the rest of our evening. I just pray, pray that you'd speak to us through your word. Uh, so tonight, uh, in Psalm chapter 90, we're going to be looking at really three things, kind of divided up into three parts. Um, actually, two and a half. I found out recently that the attention span of a goldfish is actually longer than ours now, so I'm going to try to keep it short. But uh, we're going to start, verse 1, Psalm 90. It says, Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it comes or when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. So we'll stop there. Um, first thing I really want to talk about that stands out from these verses is this reality that we actually see all throughout Scripture, but it's that God isn't just better than us or bigger than us or greater than us. God is actually wholly other than us. And we see that so explicitly here in Psalm 90. You know, we see that one of the things that through the first two verses, God, he has no beginning. He has no end. And this may be something that you've heard of, and you kind of just nod your head and say, okay, yeah. But actually, when you think about it, it's pretty incredible. And in contrast to us, 
each and every person in here, we have a birthday. God doesn't have one of those. And newsflash, not to be the bearer of bad news, but each one of us is going to have another date that's going to mark the end of our life. And God doesn't have one of those either. God is eternal. That's what this passage right here is talking about. It's the the attribute of God's eternality. So I want you to do this. Think back to like when you were a kid and you're laying in bed wide awake and you're solving the world's biggest problems. You know, what am I going to have for lunch tomorrow? If I pee the bed, like do I wake my parents up or do I just sleep in it? Uh, You know, (laughs) and then you just start to think about this idea of forever. Think about eternity. You start to get excited. Maybe you start to freak out a little bit. Then you get excited again. You pee. And you go to sleep. Has anyone ever had a night like that? Grayson had one last night, you said? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Pillow, lay on the pillow. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know, we try to like, we try to wrap our heads around this idea, right, of eternity. Um, But the reality is we've never known anything like it. And that, it it just shows us that God is wholly other. And so, you know, the the question is, okay, like if this is true, so what? Um, I think there's a lot of so what's. But the first thing that came to my mind is that, our response to this truth, if God is wholly other, this is something that we should think about. Not just briefly, not just before we go to bed. Uh, this is something that we should think about often. Um, the reason I say that is because I don't think we think about it nearly enough. You know, if, if we thought about it enough, um, we'd be in constant amazement. A.W. Tozer, he's an author. He says, uh, left to ourselves, we begin to reduce God to manageable terms. And I think that's a tragedy. You know, we lose sight of just how great God is. And you guys know what that's like, too. Uh, Imagine you go to a new place, a place you've never been before, and you're blown away. Say it's like the scenery. This past summer, I was in Slovakia. There was grass. There was mountains. There was hills. All stuff that we have here. It was so new. I was just blown away. Every day, I woke up just like, this is amazing. Um, And, um, you know, although this is true, although God is so much bigger, so much other than us, um, there's a little caveat that I want to make, and and that's this, uh, number one, modified. Um, We can still know things about God. And that's one of the the most beautiful aspects to the faith that we have, the faith that we have in common. God's given us his word that we can read to know things about him. God's put eternity in the hearts of his people. That's what scripture tells us. How else would an eight-year-old lay up, you know, at night thinking about these things? Um, We can look around. We see nature. We can learn things about God from that. But even better than those things God doesn't just want us to know things about him, but he wants us to know him. And the proof for that, you don't need to look anywhere else uh, but Jesus. So, we're going to move on to the second point, second little section. 
That says, for, yep, for we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is toil and trouble. They're soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So here the psalm takes a turn. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't read this and say I walk away happy, uh, but kind of what I want to talk about from this section, you know, we've acknowledged God's eternality, we've acknowledged our, our brevity of life, but it'd be easy to look at that and say, what the heck, God? Like, why you got to give me 70, 80 years? Like, get, like come on, I want some more. Uh, but the reality is our brevity of life is actually, it's our own doing. Um, you'll see says, we are brought to an end by your anger and by your wrath. God's anger and wrath don't exist apart from our disobedience, right? There'd be no need for it. And then it says, our iniquities, our secret sins, our days pass away under your wrath, and we bring our years to an end like a sigh. Be easy to look at this and be frustrated with God, but I think we need to realize that actually it's our own actions that make our lives as brief and momentary as they are. And believe it or not, you know, this passage talks about God's wrath. When I look at it, part of me sees God's love. You may hear that and say, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But let's talk about Hitler. You guys cool with that? All right. So, Hitler. Yeah, curveball. How are the Yankees doing? Anybody? Zero, zero. Okay. Um, Hitler. He was 56 when he died. Over the course of 12 years, Hitler was responsible for the death of over 50 million individuals. Imagine if Hitler had been given 20 more years. Imagine if Hitler, along with the rest of mankind, had thousands and thousands of years to live. The truth is, no matter how much good you think is in the world, we cannot begin to fathom the evil that we would see if God had not stepped in and in his wrath made our lives shorter. So when I see this, I read God's wrath, and because of that, our lives are shorter, but I also see that God loves us so much that he didn't just wipe us off the face of the earth completely. We still have life. And for me, that's incredible. But I think it'd be easy for you to hear this and say, well, Jake, I'm no Mother Teresa, but I'm certainly not Hitler. And uh, that's, I, I think I'll give, I'll give most of you, I'm kidding, I'll give all of you that. I'll give you that. Um, but back to point one. If God is wholly other, what makes us think that, you know, in light of his perfection, in light of his everything that he is, what makes us think that even our best efforts could begin to bridge the gap towards what God's standard is. It just can't happen. It's not possible. But, again, similar to what we talked about with the first point, God became one of us so that we could know him. But more than that, 
God became one of us after we decided to bring his wrath upon us so that he could take on his own wrath in our place. It really doesn't make a whole lot of sense at all. There's no other story like this throughout human history, yet it's our story. Jesus, God's one and only son, came down and he took on God's wrath at the cross. And talk about wrath and love being intertwined. You don't need to look anywhere further than the cross to see that put on display. We'll hop into the last section. Here's just a response kind of for that, though. Um, you know, as you, as you think about this idea of brevity of life, um, just some questions you can ask yourself. Have you come to terms with that? Have you tried previously to clean up your life and get right with God? And how's that worked for you? And lastly, have you looked at everything that Jesus claims to have done and claims to be, and have you accepted that for yourself? Last section that we're going to read gets a little better than that wrathful, angry God stuff. <laughs> um, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord be upon us and establish the works of our hands. Yes, establish the works of our hands. You know, I kind of look at this, this last chunk from Psalm 90, and essentially what I think it's saying is if the first chunk's true and the second, second chunk is true, you should live in light of those things. Um, and it kind of gives us a little bit of an idea how to do that. You know, I think if we were to constantly be in awe about what's true of God, right? He's so much bigger than the, is it like God's bigger than the boogeyman or something? Is that the veggie tales thing? So much bigger than anything, uh, anything we can think of. Yet at the same time, if we're acutely aware of everything that's true of us, if we thought about those things on a regular basis, I guarantee you the trajectory of your life would look completely different. Not just day-to-day, -day, but I'm talking like whole life. Um, there's a guy named Stephen Covey. He wrote a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He said, highly effective people, they always start with the end in mind. And if we look at the past centuries of Christ's followers, they've done this as well. They've been so aware of where they're headed, but they've also been so aware of how quick they are to forget everything God has promised them and forget ultimately where it is that they're heading, where it is that they're working towards. Eugene Peterson, uh, he wrote about this time where he was visiting a monastery, right? And so he's with all these monks. And while he's on his way to lunch, they walk past this graveyard, and there's a freshly dug grave. 
brand new. And Eugene, I didn't think monks talked, but apparently they do. Eugene looks at one of the monks that he's walking with, and he says, did you know the guy who, who just passed, like who, whose grade this is? The monk says, no one died. This is just for the next one. We have this here to remind ourselves that life's short and to remind ourselves what it is that we're working towards. And so this is a question for the people in here who would call yourselves followers of Jesus. And the question is, what end do you have in mind? What is it that day in and day out you're working towards? Because whether you know it or not, you're working towards something, all right? Every single one of us has an end. And every single day we're getting closer to that end. Is it retirement, graduation, job, relationship? Because the list of important but inferior things is pretty long. You can imagine how someone who doesn't know what we know, someone who doesn't have hope of life after death might feel as they look at the grave. But for us, as followers of Jesus, I think we look at the grave. Those monks, they're walking by and they say, let's go. It's like, I, I'm not afraid. I know what I'm working towards. And what we're working towards is eternal life. What we're working towards is a day when everything that sucks is thrown to the side. Everything's made right. Injustice is corrected. Sickness is no more. Calamities are no more. And that's the race that we choose to run in day in and day out. And so as we wrap up, um, just a couple reflection questions for you guys. Um, yeah, the point... You, you got the point, I think, right? You saw it? So this is just, I underlined to prove my point, but yeah, anyway. Uh, the questions, yeah. Um, what changes do you think you might see in your life? This applies to everyone, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. If you, like Psalm says, number your days. I think you'd probably live life a little differently day to day, regardless of what faith you have, if any. Um, but for the follower of Jesus, what changes might you see in your life if you had the big picture in mind, the true finish line, not the college diploma, not the house, the 401k, but the true finish line? And uh, what's something you need to do to remind yourself of these truths? In the past, Christians had put human skulls in their office to remind themselves of the brevity of life. You'd ask your roommate before doing that and make sure it's not real either. Uh, but something like that. I don't know. At Halloween, you can get fake skulls at the store. Um, but the series, it, it is called Praying with the Psalms. And so uh, what I'll do to close us is I want to pray through this to set almost an example of what it could look like for, for anyone to pray through Scripture. You open up the book of Psalms and start reading. Um, and so, yeah, hopefully gives you somewhat of an idea of, of what that might look like.
God, we, um, we just come before you and acknowledge that we are unworthy. We come before you, we acknowledge that um, before anything we can see came to be, you were. You always have been, you always will be. And God, it's ultimately you who are in control. It's you who has set the bounds of our life, and it's you who calls us to make the best use of those things in our days, God. pray that you'd remind us of the brevity of our life, whatever it looks like uh, for you to do that. And God, I pray that you would teach us to number our days. I pray that you would make us glad. I pray that you would satisfy us in the mornings. I pray that you would show us how you're at work. Pray that you would show us your power so as to strengthen our faith and keep us pushing forward towards the finish line. And God, we ask that your favor be upon us, but we thank you that uh, the most favor we could receive has been given to us through your son, Jesus. And uh, God, it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode of the 180 Podcast, a production of Crew in Southeast Ohio. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, a share, or leave an encouraging comment, and that will go a long way toward helping others hear about the podcast. The podcast isn't the only thing that we do. Whether you're a student living on campus or if you're still at home studying virtually, we'd encourage you to check us out on social media to hear more about what's going on. You can follow us on Instagram at crew at OU, or to learn more about who we are and what we do, head over to our website, crew at OU.org. We'd encourage you if you visit the site to complete our involvement form to get more connected to all the things that are happening. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next Thursday for another episode of the Morning Podcast.